Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fire you can't put out. My name is Melvin. It's good to be back. Sorry I was away for so long. I did miss you. Um, There's a lot going on, so let's get right into it, shall we? I live in a quiet neighborhood, and I know everybody says that they live in a quiet neighborhood, and every neighborhood is quiet until it is not. It's relatively unheard of for police to just be patrolling my neighborhood. Now, my neighbors, my old neighbors, I've lived in this neighborhood for, oh, eight, nine years now. Uh, My old neighbors that live just to the east of me um, used to call the police on me all the time. West of me, excuse me. Not that you know where I live. They used to call the police on me all the time. Why, why, why call the police on me? Well, obviously as a professional DJ, I am often playing music. And when I'm not playing somebody else's music, then I am playing my own because I'm playing on drums. And so I have gotten to talk to more than a few of Vancouver's finest officers. (laughs) They've all been very, very kind to me. Uh, Spoiler alert, I'm white. Um, So, but other than that, I've, I've not seen a lot of police in my neighborhood. So something was going down the other day, though. There was a there was a police car slowly driving through my neighborhood, driving into cul-de-sacs and all the rest, and not normal. And I said, oh, something, something's going on. There's a gentleman in my neighborhood. Uh, I don't know him. I've never spoken to him, but we're clearly neighbors. He sees me. I see him. We wave at each other. We're very cordial. And... I happened to be walking by his house. He was working outside in his yard, um, not on the yard, but he owns he owns a, a local business, and it's pretty clear what business he owns because there's a big fat ad for it on his house. It's not unheard of, and it's a it's a good idea. I won't put the name of my business on the outside of my house because I don't want people knowing uh, that there's uh, thousands of dollars worth of equipment in here. Uh, but he can put it on the outside of his because the kind of work that he does does not happen inside his home. It happens outside of his home where materials are delivered and then he goes and installs them. But no matter. So I happen to be, to be walking by his house uh, as the policeman drove by. And he about broke his leg running towards the police car to clap. This is real. To clap and cheer, and do a big fat thumbs up, and yeah, 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 go police. It was, it was wild, like total fanboy on this officer driving through the neighborhood, and I just thought that was odd, and he didn't wave at me this time. He probably didn't see me, and the officer, also very, very nice, slowed down for him, waved to him, gave him the thumbs up out the window. They don't know each other. But the way you feel about police officers is more and more becoming a part of your identity. I think the thing that people don't realize, and it's not a a pro-cop or or an anti-cop thing, but with what I've seen come out of a lot of police departments around around the country, I'm very, very suspicious of police. And this is despite the fact that I've never had Uh, or I've rarely had a negative uh, interaction with a police officer. But when I saw that guy trip over himself, I said, what? 
What gives? So there's a poll that just came out about the Derek Chauvin murder case. And yes, it was Derek Chauvin that was on trial for murder because he murdered a man in broad daylight. And it said 46% of Republicans, 46%. Now remember, we've all seen the tape and it's not it's not an innocuous thing. It's not like blurry and it, you know, it's not hard to tell what's going on. It's pretty damn clear what's going on. As you watch the tape, you see George Floyd being ordered around and he complies and he says, yes, sir. And he says, please. And he says, thank you. Like he's got his manners about him, but he's still getting the hell beat out of him by the police. And the police said, well, he's a rather large individual. They didn't know what he was going to do or what he was capable of. And he would ask them, please, I can't, I can't breathe. I, I, I can't move my arm. Could you shift me this way or that way? And that's when Derek Chauvin thought it would be a great idea to put his, his knee on his neck for nine and a half minutes. And, and that killed him. And with that, 46% of Republicans in a recent poll this week, and I'm surprised the number isn't higher, said that they believe that the Chauvin case was wrongly decided. What happened in the tape is clear. It was a murder. It was a public execution in broad daylight by somebody that had the power of the state behind them and the power of God on their hip. And there is still 46% of one faction of the country, which comes out to roughly just below a third of people in this country, that think that it's, it's A-OK that this police officer executed a, a man in broad daylight. So when Chauvin was found guilty on all three charges, and I hung on to it, like I believe a lot of other folks hung on to it. Obviously, all of the, all of the protests and, and, and the riots that, that happened last year absolutely dominated the news. And there's nobody that doesn't know the name George Floyd at this point. Um, police do this kind of thing all the time, like these public executions. But this one in particular, I think, hit people especially hard. I, I don't know what it is. It's not the first time that an officer has put a knee on an, uh, on an unarmed African-American's neck and killed him. But for some reason, this one hit people, um, this one hit people extra hard. And so with that... Um, you know, Chauvin goes to trial and he's found guilty on all charges. And I thought, because I was paying so much attention to this case, I spent endless hours reading about it and watching the video. And I watched a whole bunch of the trial, which at times just got dreadfully dry and boring, but I was glued. I didn't, I didn't watch the OJ trial when it was, when it was happening. I just, I, I was too, I was young. I didn't care. I just, <laughs> I care, I care now, um, but obviously this is a lot different than what happened with the OJ trial. And I thought, I really thought that this colonizer was going to walk because I've seen it too much. I've seen police kill unarmed black men and women and children in broad daylight and go home. So I thought that when this verdict came back, and he came back as guilty. 
guilty on all three charges. I thought, this is great. That's what I thought. But I didn't feel great. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I go, why, 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 don't, I, why don't I feel better? Why don't I feel more elated? Why don't I feel relief? Now, I can't speak for the African-American community. I would like to think that some or a whole lot of them felt good or better about it. I can't say. But for some reason, I didn't feel any better. And the world doesn't have to revolve around me. And so I dug inside myself. And I think everybody should do this. I dug inside of myself and I go, why don't I feel better about, like, that's the outcome. That's the outcome I wanted. It's also the outcome that I did not expect. So why don't I feel better about the outcome of this trial? And it hit me. As I watched Chauvin being handcuffed and hauled out of the court, George Floyd ain't coming back. His family doesn't get him back. The world doesn't get him. His children don't get him back. And now Chauvin. Chauvin's family doesn't get him back. You know, I know his wife divorced him. Um, I don't know if he has children, but I'm certain that he's got somebody that loves him. And you go, Melvin, why? Why are you going all soft? Why are you going all soft on the white cop? Easy, easy, easy. It's not that. The verdict was correct. It, it should have happened. And the fact that we were on pins and needles thinking that it wouldn't happen, that's the insane part. Why the flip are we on pins and needles uncertain if this is going to happen? He murdered somebody in broad daylight. An unarmed man in broad daylight. But we were so uncertain. And after really digging into myself, I go, I, the reason I'm not happy is because this led to more destroyed lives. So you say, well, Melvin, do you think that perhaps he should have been found not guilty? No, no, no. He should have definitely been found guilty. Should he have gotten to be guilty and then go home? Nope, 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 no. He, he shouldn't. But I also don't know how this is going to make anything any better. I like to think that perhaps the blue wall is beginning to crumble. And there's, and there's two things that make me, make me say that. One, the fact that he was convicted. You know, there, and there's this thing where officers protect other officers. They don't protect us, but they generally protect one another. And he was convicted. The other part of it is a lot of his fellow officers uh, testified against him. So that makes me think maybe that there's some cracks in that blue wall. Perhaps it can come down. If y'all are really going to protect and serve, then you need to protect and serve us, not one another. It is not supposed to be the police versus us. It's supposed to be us that you are protecting and serving. So when it really came down to it, I said when, when Chauvin decided to put his knee on Floyd's neck for nine and a half minutes and then say that he died of a heart problem and a drug overdose, like amazing. When he decided to do that, when he decided to put his knee on his neck and kill that man, that black man, an unarmed black man in broad daylight, he destroyed a lot of lives. And he will continue to destroy a lot of lives. 
I say that because this video will become a part of history. This case will become a part of history. You will read this in your history books. And when I learn about, you know, say the, uh, the medical experiments that we used to do on African-Americans because we didn't see them as human. So a lot of the, me- you don't realize this, but a lot of the medical knowledge that we have is because of these experiments that we used to do uh, without anesthesia on African-Americans. You know, we cut them open while they were alive just to see how things worked. You know, we would uh, intentionally infect them with diseases and then do studies on them because we go, whatever, they're African-Americans. And you won't hear a lot of talk about this in the medical community, but the paper trail on this is long and the books about this are endless. Like that's the way we treated African-American people. But when Chauvin decided to do what he decided to do, he destroyed the the life of George, of his children, of his family, and of his own life. And yes, I don't feel better after the verdict, even though it was the correct verdict. Here's the other thing. I have a really hard time with anybody that that has bloodlust in their heart. And just let me explain that. A lot of the response that I heard, um, I won't name the folks I heard say. It. I mean, they're they're famous, uh, but I heard one gentleman in particular say, "What's the over under on him killing himself in prison? Because clearly his life is over." Like that, I heard another gentleman say, "Boy, oh boy, don't drop the soap." And obviously, that's a rape joke. Like y'all need to stop making rape jokes. It's not funny. Um. The other thing I heard was I heard other people express, hey, he's convicted. Why don't I feel any better? You know what somebody should do? I hope somebody beats the hell out of him in prison, just uh, within an inch of his life, just this, that, and the other, just bloodies them all up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, Chauvin was a cop, and he knows right from wrong, and he knows what he did, and beating the hell out of him in prison or anywhere else, isn't going to make him go, oh my God, I was wrong about George Floyd. He knows he was wrong. He knows. He he's, he knows it's, he shouldn't have did what he did. What he did. And you beating him up isn't going to make anything better. Somebody ought to kill him. Somebody ought to kill him? Like these, this is a lot of the kind of talk that I heard. Um, from both, uh, African-Americans and, of course, white folks who, who sympathize with the Floyd case. And I just want to say it's not going to make anything any better. Killing people, like killing is killing, whether done for duty, profit, or fun. And we should have learned that by now with the Chauvin case. Killing is killing, whether done for duty, profit, or fun. Or bloodlust, if that's really where you're at. And if it, it is in your heart, like you say, well, sometimes people deserve to die. <sighs> I say this to you. Is it going to fix anything? Is it going to make anything better? And when you have your answer, you'll know whether or not to act on those things that you said that you'd like to act on. Now, I understand a lot of folks are blowing smoke and that's, and that's fine. You know, get it all out. Um, but what I really would like to see is the George Floyd Policing Act pass through Congress 
if I'm not mistaken, it's already passed through the House of Representatives right now. But of course, um, all of the colonizers in the United States Republican Party who do make up half the Senate have said absolutely not, no way, not any day are we going to do anything about the George Floyd Policing Act. Why? Well, even though they don't have a majority of even their own party on their side, remember 46% of Republicans think that Chauvin should have walked. Even with that, they know. They know that as long as police continue treating African Americans the way they do with their knee on their neck, it gives the Republican Party more power. Don't believe me? Look at what they've done in Texas. Look at what they've done in Georgia with these very narrowly decided laws that strip specifically from African-American people the right to vote. It either strips them of their vote or makes it incredibly hard for them to vote. Where there's fewer polling places, where black folks are, where they ban souls to the polls, where you can't give water to somebody that's standing in a long line, and those lines are engineered to be in black neighborhoods so that black folks will not vote. You can't deny that. And I know that the George Floyd Policing Act needs to pass. And I believe that it's got majority support because the way this case turned out has majority support. So you need to call your senator. I don't care if they're a Republican. You need to call your senator. You need to tell them to vote for the George Floyd Policing Act. And they probably won't. But if you put enough heat on them, perhaps they'll realize what they should do. Okay, okay, all right. Enough of the Floyd case. I'm, I'm sure you've heard uh, a lot of it. So uh, I do want to get into this, um, to the unionization of Amazon. So, and I say this as an Amazon shopper because that's the market now. Amazon is everything. Amazon's got the Fire Stick and Amazon's got the Kindle and Amazon has the, the shopping site and they own grocery stores and they, are, they, are not, they don't just have a part of the market anymore. They are the market. And they thought that they were too cute by half when they raised their wages to $15 an hour. And I've mentioned this before. We've been fighting for $15 an hour for so long, the $15 an hour isn't even enough anymore. But Amazon pays $15 an hour. And yes, that's more than twice the federal minimum wage. It's more than triple the state wage in some states. Yes, but $30,000 a year. It's not enough to live on, for sure. There's nowhere in America where you can afford to live on that. And so those folks go on food stamps. And those, those folks go on, on welfare. And so you and I pay those extra wages that a, a massive company like Amazon doesn't want to pay. Jeff Bezos makes $2,500 per second. In just the time it took me to say that, he's now $25,000 richer. Isn't that insane? Like just in the time it, take, it took me to say that sentence, it may, he got $25,000 richer. Uh, by the end of the show, he'll have several million more dollars. And why? Does he need it? Of course he doesn't need it. He's a billionaire. hundred quarter, what, like one and a quarter billion, like 150 billion, 200 billion, like enough is never enough. So what he could do is he could pay his workers better. But what he's decided to do on two fronts, uh, one, he wants to bust unions, and two, he wants to get everybody involved in a scam to own an Amazon truck. I don't know if you've heard about this yet. So 
In Alabama, they tried to unionize. And when they unionize, what that means is it becomes a democracy. Uh, Unions are democracy in the workplace. And so what does that mean? It means you get better wages. It means you have collective bargaining. It means you get, it means you get better, better medical and all these other things, you know, and and you don't have to work full time and starve to death, you know, and just the working conditions alone are worth it because we know that Amazon's working conditions are absolutely horrific. Amazon realizing that they might have to pay somebody a wage where they would not starve to death and die at work brought in union busters. And I believe that the union busters, I was reading somewhere, uh, I think it was USA Today, they were paying $3,500 per person to these union busters. $3,500. They can't pay you more than 15 bucks an hour. It's like, it's like, what's that, 135 bucks a day? But they bring in these union busters and they pay these guys $3,500 a day a piece. And the union busting worked. The ultimate vote came out and two-thirds of people voted against unionizing, which means they voted to keep their wages low. They voted for piss-poor, inhumane working conditions. They voted against better benefits. They voted against their own self-interest. And that's where they're at now. So the labor board in Alabama has decided to hear the complaints uh, against the fact that Amazon was using union busters. But effectively, this is done. This is already done. Now, I imagine at some point somebody will try to unionize again, but it probably won't come go through because they'll bring in the same kind of union busters and tell them about you know, how bad union bosses are and how the com- company's going to go bankrupt if they have to pay you a living wage to work for them. But all these workers that voted against unionizing really just shot themselves in the foot. Um, and Amazon has – so there's a, there's a thing in the trucking industry where you get to be an owner-operator. And there's a whole bunch of companies, uh, Prime and Swift. They all just got nailed for this. Um, NPR uh, did a huge uh, written piece on this and they also did a podcast about it um, called uh, Rigged. Big, big Rigged, I think it was called. And what that is – is, you know, these trucking companies, they bring you in and they say, Hey, you know, no experience, bring you in, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll get you on the road and they'll, you know, you roll around with somebody for a, for a few weeks and and then you get, you get your CDL and then, you know, you get on the road and you start driving for them and you make, you know, 37 cents an hour or or whatever it is, whatever they're paying per mile. And they go, then you're going to be a trucker and you're going to live this middle-class life. And, and for a lot of folks, that's very, very attractive especially if you live in a low-wage red state. But what they would do after people got their CDL and after they drove for them for a while, they go, hey, you should become an owner-operator. If you become an owner-operator, you own the truck. And you don't just make 37 cents an hour. You make a dollar an hour or, or, or per mile. Excuse me, an hour per mile. You make a dollar per mile. And they go, oh, my God. Do I? Yes, you do. And so they get them to sign on the dotted line. They are now an owner-operator. They help them set up an LLC. You know, they help them finance a truck. And then these people have to have their own business. You know, whatever it is. You know, uh, Flandcrest Enterprises or <laughs> whatever they want to name their trucking company. Um, and then they hit the road. And a lot of these folks, instead of getting a paycheck, started getting uh, these IOU notices. Like, 
or like or you know where their their paycheck would come to them as as a negative whereas if maybe they were getting you know 500 bucks every two weeks before or 750 every two weeks or whatever it was well now they're getting a bill every couple of weeks instead of a paycheck and the and the company says well uh after we take out your truck payment and we take out your insurance payment uh and we take out the maintenance payments and you know we take out all any repairs that you had to get done and after we take out fuel and any and all this stuff uh, you don't have any money anymore and you now owe us money. And so the people would get out on the road and they'd work 60, 70, you know, 80 hours a week, just drive, 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 just in the most unsafe conditions. And maybe after a couple of months, they'd earn a paycheck, a very, very tiny paycheck, like not enough to pay rent or food or anything. This is real. This happened in the trucking industry. And then they drive for some more and then the next couple of paychecks come through and they owe more money and they owe more money. I know somebody who was an owner operator. Uh, I won't name them, uh, but they got crushed by these same sort of things because of these things that are sold to you as like, like you're going to make so much more money. And yeah, initially you, you do, but then the cost of owning those things and it just gets the cost of owning those things off of the backs of the gigantic trucking companies. So Amazon took a look at this and said that is a fantastic system. Amazon has something like 100,000 vehicles, like delivery vehicles. And that's on top of what gets delivered by FedEx and, and UPS and USPS for them. They have 100, like 100,000 of their own vehicles. That's very expensive. It's a very expensive fleet to run. And so Amazon and Jeff Bezos, who clearly does not have enough money already, has said, hey, folks, and you've heard the pitch before, would you like to be an Amazon owner-operator? Would you like to be your own boss? Would you like to set your own hours? Would you like to own one of these big, blue, beautiful Amazon trucks? And it's the same pitch. It's the same pitch that people got from the trucking companies. And instead of a paycheck, you're just going to owe more money to Amazon. And then you're responsible for everything. And you're not your own boss. And you haven't started your own business. See, because you, you have one of these trucks and it says Amazon on the side. Okay, you're not going to go work for FedEx. You're not going to start your own delivery business. It says Amazon on the side of it. They're just shifting who pays for it to you. And they're selling it as your dream. Like this is how you become an entrepreneur. No. You become an entrepreneur when you start a business that does not does not already exist. And then you put your own thing into it. You put your own spin on it, your, your own ideas into it. And with that, then you have your own business. If you become an owner-operator, but you can only work for one trucking company, you are not in business. You are not an entrepreneur. They've just simply shifted the cost to you. If you own one of these Amazon trucks and you're doing everything for them, then you're not allowed to do anything else with it except what they tell you to do, but they say you're the owner, you're the operator, you set your... No, you're not. No, you're not. And no, you ain't. If the way you make money in a business is by buying a whole bunch of inventory from one particular company and then selling that back to all of your friends, you're not an entrepreneur, nor do you have a business. All they've done is made you buy everything so that they so that they got the money that they needed for that product 
And then it's up to you to get your money back after you try to sell it to your friends and family. It's the same game. And folks like us who really want to be independent, who really want to be entrepreneurs, who really want to be business owners, they know how to get to us. Um, I always wanted to start a business my whole life. took me 30-some years to figure out what to do. But when I did it, I really do work for myself. I really do set my own hours. I really do what I want and I don't and I don't have a boss. That doesn't make me better than somebody else. That's that's not the point. But that's the way it's supposed to work. If I go buy one of these trucks from Amazon, you know, or or from Swift or one of these other companies, all I'm doing is taking on all their costs for them. They make all the money, I absorb all the costs. And that's effectively what's happened for too long in the country. They say, well, you, Joe Biden is talking right now about how we need to have universal pre-K and how we need to have you know, paid child care and, and how, how we need to you know, put kids, pay to put kids at least, at least through, through local colleges. You know? And people say, no, no, we can't, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. Because Joe Biden says, well, I'm going to raise taxes on rich people. They go, no, 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 you can't raise taxes on rich people because they've got lawyers and they've got a way out of it. And they'll just find a way to not pay. Uh Uh-huh. So because you're pretty sure that they're just going to break the law anyway, we should just continue to absorb this system. Uh, We should just continue getting fleeced because you go, they're rich and they're going to get out of it anyway. We need to stop accepting this. And we need to stop believing the idea that we can't have everything and that we have to continue to prop up these rich people who do not need our help. No way, no how. And one more thing I want to make mention of before I go, um, the Supreme Court has decided to take up the Second Amendment. And let me tell you what's coming. The legalization of murder. Uh, What we have in these red states with these stand-your-ground laws, that's going to happen in all 50 states. And why? Well, because the last guy, the last president, was able to put three people, three hardcore neo-Nazi white supremacists on the Supreme Court. And they are almost certainly going to legalize murder with their decision. You go, Melvin, that's nuts. That's extreme. My God, why do I even listen to this guy? Like, why do you even talk like that, Mel? Okay. You don't have to believe me. But I've heard these guys talk. And I've seen what they've defended. And especially when it comes to unarmed African American folks, they see it as justification every time. They take the side of the white supremacist every single time. Y'all could have turned out to vote in the 2016 election, but you didn't. And a white supremacist put three white supremacists on the Supreme Court. I don't know which way this this case is going to go for certain, but um, I'd be willing to bet bet my bottom dollar uh, that the legalization of killing people in broad daylight... Because uh, the, here, here, all it has to pass is this. Do you feel threatened? In a stand-your-ground law, all, all, in a stand-your-ground state, all you got to say is you felt threatened. That's it. And whatever you do after that, 
It's up to you and God. That's it. We got a lot of work out there to do, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. This is the fire you can't put out. Our official home is tfycpo.podbean.com. Questions, comments, hate mail, and I'm expecting it today. Uh, you can just uh, email us at tfycpo at gmail.com. We work hard to not only inform uh, and entertain, but also to keep an open dialogue with you, the listeners. So thank you for listening. We are the fire you can't put out, and we will prevail. Rejecting austerity in favor of prosperity. Special thanks to Kevin for producing, and thank you for listening. This is Melvin signing off. And now that I've woke you up, good morning.